0: I want to share some thoughts this morning about, uh, if you had had to put, a I guess, a a title to it is uh, How to Walk in the Spirit. Uh, And the first concept, the first thing I want to just mention about that, how to walk in the Spirit. Hey, Robert. How to walk in the Spirit is, think about this thought before we start. Do you believe... Do you believe God would make walking in the Spirit so important? And it is. It's, it's really almost everything, walking in the Spirit, as far as living out the life of God on earth. Um, do you think God would make walking in the Spirit a difficult thing? He wouldn't. So the first the first thing we need to think about is that He did the most difficult thing, of course, when he came into our realm and took upon himself the sin of the world and the judgment of the world. He did the difficult thing himself when he was crucified and buried and was raised again. He did the difficult thing himself when he actually started an entirely new creation by his resurrection. He did the difficult thing in joining sinful man to himself. For he who who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. I mean, these are are awesome things. These are the things that um, the scripture says, Call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things that you know not. I love that verse. Call unto me and I will answer thee and I will show thee great and mighty things that you know not. And that's... These are great and mighty things to, to plunge the world into judgment on the, on the cross. And that's what Jesus said. He said, when he went to the cross, he said, now is the judgment of this world. Now is the prince of this world cast out. The one who accuses mankind before the father is going to be cast out of heaven and have no more access to heaven to accuse us as he did in the days of Job. This is awesome that he would bring judgment upon the entire human race by taking it upon himself. If I be lifted up between heaven and earth, I will draw all men unto me by taking this judgment upon myself. And the scripture says, Hereby we perceive the love of God and that he gave himself for us. But he didn't stop there. He didn't just remove our sin, he started all over again. The the last Adam terminated the Adamic race on the cross, but he started a new race, a new heavenly race from the last Adam and raised a whole new creation in his resurrection so that anyone who believes on Him is given of His Spirit. And the Spirit comes and joins with our human spirit which was dead in sin and is quickened and made alive and made in union, brought into union with God in Christ. And so that now we can say, Christ is in me and I am in Him and He's in the Father and the Father's in the Son and we are one. John 17. Awesome, great, and mighty things. So, if He's doing the these awesome difficult impossible things only possible for God himself and he calls us now to simply walk in the spirit as an answer to our flesh as Paul says in the Galatian letter if you if you ask Paul Paul how do you deal with your flesh how do you overcome your flesh how do you stop sinning when you how do you get free of sin how, what's the secret Paul Paul would say walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh Wow. Simple, but profound. If you walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Wow. So God did something so awesome, and then He calls us to simply walk in the Spirit. But what does that mean, walk in the Spirit? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. But the first thought I wanted you to have in your mind is that walking in the Spirit is easy. He did not make it difficult. He did the most difficult thing imaginable. He's not going to give us something hard to do now that he's done all the hard work. And we, and we will be unable to benefit from all his hard work because what he's given us to do is so hard we can't do it. We can't pull it off. So all his hard work is nothing. Is for nothing. You see? He did everything. And he simply says to us, fear not. Walk in the Spirit. So let's look at that, what it means to walk in the Spirit. Because I'm convinced, saints, that there is, so much, there is so much wrong thinking out there in the church. It's a wonder anybody's walking in the Spirit. <laughs> and most of the time, we're not. And that's the problem. You know, we're struggling with flesh so much that it's almost like, God, this thing is hard. I know when I was in legalism, when I first became a believer... And I had a mixture of law and grace in my thinking. Paul says, a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump. Eventually, I just burned out. And I thought, I can't live this life. I can't be holy enough. I can't be good enough. I, I can't be acceptable enough to God. I'm not doing enough. I'm, ah, ah, I give up. So flesh and spirit was like, I ah, battled all the time because it was, where's the rest? Where's the peace? Where's, what's this verse mean? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's not my experience. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come unto me, and you find rest for your souls. So we're thinking something wrong. We're seeing something wrong. If it's so hard, it's not supposed to be so hard. There'll be difficult times, of course. In a fallen world, you're going to have difficulty. In the world, we shall have tribulation. And you can't control the guy that's driving the car toward you and he runs a stop sign. You know, you can't control that. So you may have a car hit your car. Doesn't mean that we're going to have a perfect world now because we're in a fallen world. But this idea of walking in the spirit in our relationship with God is not supposed to be hard. And I'm really convinced that it's it's hard. when 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 I make it hard on myself, I have to stop and think, now what... Why why am I making this hard? Because I'm making it hard. It's not hard. And that's what I want to talk about. How how to recalibrate, how to back up and and look at what's happening and say, you know, why is this a difficult thing? It should not be a difficult thing to walk in the Spirit. So let's let's take a look at that and see what the Lord says. Lord, thank you so much for your grace. You're so awesome. What a great shepherd. You looked over the crowds and you saw the people were people like lost sheep without a shepherd. You're the good shepherd that gave your life for us, and you call us to follow you. You say, All you are heavy laden and burdened, fear not. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, and you shall find rest for your souls fear not little flock it is the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom I have done it I have opened a door that no man can shut no man can shut this door on you and you cannot even shut it on yourself it's an open door it's a portal to another reality called the kingdom of heaven and beloved you have been translated from the kingdom of the darkness of this world into the beloved kingdom of the Son of God. You have been translated into his kingdom, and there you abide. You are no longer in the flesh, but in the spirit, as a fixed reality. For if the spirit of Christ dwells within you, you are no longer in the flesh, but in the spirit. And the spirit of God cries, Abba, Papa, Papa. Thank you, Lord, for this reality. Thank you for helping us to pause and remember the truth. May the two wings of the great eagle, the Holy Spirit himself, bring revelation and remembrance. Revelation and remembrance. The two wings of the great eagle of the Holy Spirit bring us light and remind us of that light. Thank you, Lord. For the Spirit shall come and speak to you all things I have told you and shall bring it to remembrance that you might remember and not be afraid. You are my children. You are my sons. You are my daughters. You are kings and priests. Your destiny is in heaven and heaven rejoices for all of creation has an earnest expectation. An earnest expectation to see the manifestation of the sons of God. And that's who you are. Throw off the shackles of lies from the enemy. Behold, to walk in the Spirit is as simple as eating and drinking. Behold, I have made it easy. I have done it. Behold. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your Spirit to teach us these heavenly things. Amen. I was talking to, uh, Kevin texted me the other day about a book he found, and um, I'm looking forward to reading it too, and it was, a, it was a book, the title of the book I think is something like, How to, how to, be, like, how to be Like Jesus, How to Walk Like Jesus, and so I texted him back and I said, it sounds interesting, I'd I love to read it and see. I would see what he says is the how part. And it reminded me of that uh, phrase years ago that was very, very popular. You know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Sounds good, sounds noble, sounds spiritual. What would Jesus do? Um, It's basically, it was a saying back of, very popular a few years ago where, you would take a situation and you would say, now, what would Jesus do in this situation? And so you'd try to apply some biblical principle or some teaching of Jesus and try to do what Jesus would do. It's kind of like that book, In His Steps, a classic that's been around for a long time, In His Steps, you know, how, how can we walk like Jesus walked? All sounds very good, and it is good, if you get the how-to right. And so I, I text Kevin back, I said, yeah, yeah, I would love to look at it, but... If he doesn't begin the book, if he doesn't begin the book by saying that we are mere branches on the true vine and apart from him, we can do nothing. If he doesn't start by talking about union with Christ, then all he's doing is using Jesus as a person with the great, the best behavior... A model person with the best behavior, and he 's trying to modify other people 's behavior by lifting up an example of good behavior and since it 's Jesus, it makes it even more important that you do these things <laughs> and that 's not the Christian life, and that 's what why people are burned out trying to walk in the spirit because they think walking in the spirit is pretty much that you know find out what Jesus would do and we need to do what Jesus would do. Um, and there's usually a little, some lip service given to and God will help you by His grace to do this or um, and depend on Him to do this for you. And, but that's the most important part. That's the meat. I mean, it'll be like most sermons are like 90% about a behavior, what to do, what not to do, what you ought to be doing, what you ought to not be doing and then a bill few sentences at the end of the sermon and and by the grace of God he'll help you God's grace he'll help you do it and but Paul wasn't like that when Paul wrote when all the apostles wrote the beginning of their letters delved into a great mystery a mystery of Christ it delved into the work of God not the work of man it delved into this great mystery of our own godliness that God came to us that God died in the person of Jesus and was raised again. That God created a new creation. All these things that were spiritual and heavenly and and not of man and not of religion. Awesome, awesome things. Awesome truths. And then only after he would write about these invisible, awesome realities that Jesus had brought to us and the power of grace and faith, then he would talk about behavior. But only in the context of Now that you are new, now that you are new, put off the deeds of the old man and put on the deeds of the new man because that's who you are. Always in the context of you already already are new. You already are a son. You're not trying to become a son. You're not trying to become holy. You're not trying to become righteous. You're not trying to become something. You already are. That is a reality that is mind-boggling. Now let that manifest as a tree bearing fruit. As a branch on a vine, let the life from the true vine manifest through that branch and bring a fruit that is not of yours, or not of you, but of the Spirit. Fruit, fruit of the Spirit. And that is awesome. That's true Christianity, is Jesus, Jesus Himself living His own life through us. As Paul says, the life I now live in this body, I, I, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me gave himself for me for I was crucified with Christ I was judged I've been judged already Nevertheless I live yet yeah, not I but Christ lives in me It's a whole new way of thinking it's a whole new it's 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 truth it's the truth that sets you free it is not religion religion cannot touch this religion does not understand this religion will resist this because it is not of the natural man it is foolish and so to the natural man, but it's, it's, it's spiritual. And when you see it, you are ruined. You are ruined for anything less than Christ himself as your life. Christ, my life. To live is Christ. So that's, that's the... Uh, that's, that's the, the, the dilemma, I think, in the church. A lot of times we see this, and this book may have it right. I don't know, the first part of the book, if he does that, that's great. But most, me, from the chapter headings, I don't think he does it, but yeah. Um, basically, he just shows Jesus, Jesus in certain situations and says, this is how we ought to act, and this, yeah. you know, this is how he acted, so this is how we ought to act. And it sounds good, it sounds noble, it sounds spiritual, but it will, it will literally put you on a track. That will head directly to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is death. The knowledge of right and wrong, which is death. As opposed to the tree of life. Because at that tree, revelation comes to us of union and of Him being our life. Different world. Different world, different way. His ways are not our ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are His ways different from man's natural ways. Man is all about modifying behavior. Man is all about the outward. God is about death and life. God is about terminating the old and raising a new creation. Something man cannot do. As Paul said, this God, this God raises the dead and calls into being that which did not exist before. That It's the truth. That's the new covenant. That's the power. And that's the secret to walking in the Spirit, is understanding the nature of this awesome work of God. Because if you don't see the the nature of the awesome work of the new covenant, you will constantly be struggling with trying to be something you already are. It'd be like me telling Gail, Gail, you need to sit in the chair. Gail, please sit in the chair. And Gail's like, I, th- I thought I was sitting in the chair. And then that, cre- that creates confusion because now she's trying to figure out, okay, I'm obviously not sitting in the chair, although I think I'm sitting in the chair. Yeah. It's, when, you tell, when you tell a believer, I'm talking about a believer now, a believer who is joined to Christ, who's, who's born again believer. When, when you tell a believer something they're not when they are, it brings confusion. And it brings them down a path of fleshly effort to try to, get, try to make that happen. But when you tell a believer the truth of who they are, it releases them to rest and to believe. And faith grows. And it's faith that releases the wind and the water of the Spirit. Amen. He who believes on me out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So. That's pretty simple. He who believes on me, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers, not just a trickle, rivers of living water. Picture in your mind these rivers. I love that commercial. You love that commercial where the uh, the guy's going down the road and the, and the, uh, he almost hits this beaver and he swerves and he saves the beaver's life. And the beaver's like so thankful. And then the next time he's coming down that same road and and then this tree falls in front of him just before he crosses this bridge. And he goes, oh, my God. He just stops and gets out of the car in the rain. He looks, sees a little beaver over here. He just, like, cut the tree down. The beaver goes. <laughs> and the guy, and he looks over the tree, and the bridge is taken out with rivers of water. I mean, this rivers of water just took the bridge out. The guy would have died, right? So the guy's, like, in the rain looking at this beaver going. And, then the, and so the guy goes. Awesome commercial. So cool. But think, picture that. Rivers. If you've seen that commercial, you know what I mean. Rivers of living water. Rivers is just powerful. That's what's, that's what's supposed to be flowing out of us. And it can be, and it does. It does. We've all experienced it. We just wonder why it doesn't happen all the time. And it can happen all the time. Not that you have to have, be on this spiritual, emotional high all the time. But there can be an abiding... Unexplainable joy, peace that has its highs and lows, ebbs, and you know, it's because it's living. And as the need arises, the volume increases. As the need arises for ministry or hard times, the volume will increase. Grace will be there for whatever the need for ministry or for hard times or whatever. But we can have this abiding awareness awareness i've said this before but you know how we say in real estate that the three most important things in real estate are location 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 well i believe the three most important things in, in the things of the spirit the three most important things to know in the things of the spirit are awareness 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 because if you, you could have all these jewels hey Tiffany. You could have all these jewels, or you could have this huge bank account and you're not aware of it and it doesn't do you any good. We could have, as as people have said before, you could have a million dollars in the bank and you're not aware of it and and be eating hot dogs, barely making it, because you were not aware. And this is think about this, God. 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 <coughs> Before I go further now, think about the God that when you walk outside your house at night and you look up at the stars. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you looked up at the stars? Last night? Awesome. Last night? Awesome. Last week? Awesome. We need to look at the stars more. You know why? Why? Creation itself speaks of Him. Your spirit will absorb revelation of him by just looking at a tree. It's awesome. That's why you feel this peace when you take walks or when you go camping or when you look at the stars or when you go on a golf course and you see the the grass. There's something there. Revelation says the earth will open her mouth and truth will come out of the earth. Jesus said, look to the earth and it will teach thee. Consider the birds of the air, he said. Consider the leaves and the flowers. Consider these things. Consider what God has done because they all speak of my Father. They speak of his care. They speak of his love. They speak of his awesomeness. Behold the stars. It's an awesome, awesome thing just to look at creation. But anyway, this God that made all these things is inside you right now. This thought alone is one of the most powerful thoughts we could ever keep in mind. Paul talked about keeping the gospel in mind. One of the most powerful thoughts we could ever have is to continually remind ourselves that he who is in me is greater he who is in the world Christ in me the hope of glory I am one with him he's one with me he my head me part of his body he the true vine me the branch we have become one one of the most powerful thoughts we could chew on and eat on and drink on is this awesome reality of union now You see why that is is almost never taught in the church worldwide? Never. Almost never. It is one of the most powerful truths that leads to an easy walking in the Spirit. It's one of the truths that leads to an easy walking in the Spirit, yet it is rarely taught in the church ever. And you know why? Because you cannot teach union and teach a sin consciousness at the same time. You cannot teach the people they need to get cleansing from their sins and have daily confession so they get their sins cleansed every day and teach union. Can't. And it's the wisdom of God. You have to believe the gospel to get this treasure. You have to believe that He is the Lamb. Who took away the sin of the world? Not just covered it. That one phrase, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, is one of the most powerful statements ever made in the scripture. Ever. This whole thing about having to confess your sins as a believer to get cleansing and get forgiveness on a daily basis is a house of cards. It is a house of cards that will tr- will collapse. The scripture will prove it wrong. It is a deception. It is as if it is like the story when the the child cried out, "The emperor has no clothes." It's coming. It's coming. A huge collapse of the the fiasco that theologians have made with First John one nine. The fiasco and the and the, and the injury to the body of Christ by the, by the wrong teaching and interpretation of 1 John 1, 1.9. It's a house of cards. It's coming down. Because you cannot teach that saints. They need continual cleansing and forgiveness to stay right with God and stay cleansed and teach union with God and Christ. It's impossible. It's been, the, it's been the biggest trick of the enemy from the beginning. He couldn't he couldn't destroy the finished work of Christ, the finality of his death and resurrection, which, by the way, is the power of the gospel, the finality of it. The, final, the finality of it is the power of it. He's not to die often. He ever lives. You too, do not consider yourself dying often in the pur- for the purpose of flesh or s- sin, that kind of thing. We die often in other ways, like when the, we get a cross of rejection. As a new creation, we die often that way. We die daily. But that's totally not talking about the flesh. That's not talking about sin. That's talking about a new creation that gets the the cross of rejection from this world as Jesus did. And Jesus got a cross of rejection and he had no sin. So it has nothing to do with sin. Dying daily has nothing to do with sin at all. Dying daily, Paul says, is I die daily because I'm out here preaching the gospel and these beasts from Ephesus are trying to persecute me. And this is happening to me and this is happening to me. I die daily. That's what he said. And we take that and bring that over into the Christian life and say "That's that's how you deal with your flesh no we take up a cross because Jesus had a cross given to him he had no sin the cross has nothing to do with sin in that, re- in that respect he's simply saying unless you're willing to be rejected by this world and take up a cross like, it was, like I got a cross you cannot follow me you cannot be my disciple because you'll seek the pleasure of men more than me that's all that means so don't get confused with that die daily stuff. That's, that's, that's for the new creation. That's for the holy ones, the perfect ones. They get the cross from this world of rejection, and it's a daily thing, sometimes it, you know persecution, whatever, it has nothing to do with the flesh, has nothing to do with our life in God. See? But in Christ, we're not to die often. We died once, crucified with him once we ever live. He said, uh, now consider yourself as having died already dead, done. You're not trying to put the flesh to death anymore. It's done. And now consider yourself alive from the dead, resurrected with him, ever living unto God. The finality of the gospel is the power of the gospel. So what the enemy did was he made the the finality, the final work of Christ a continual thing. And so He created what's called the Mass, you know, and they have the bread and the wine that, that transubstantiation It that says this actually becomes His body. This actually becomes His blood. So we're going to sacrifice the Christ over and over and over. Mass, the word Mass means sacrifice. For centuries, the word Mass means sacrifice. That's why when the priest rings the bell in the Roman Catholic Church, it's supposed to be the miracle happens and Christ actually comes and he, that's actually His flesh. That's actually His blood. We sacrifice Him again and again and again. That's the work of the enemy. And if you don't come to this church, that, that, this church that does this, then we, you cannot be saved. And so it's controlling the masses. And, and, and we can excommunicate you from this and you can't get the, the true body and blood of the Lord anymore because you don't come here. And that's exactly what they taught and that's exactly what they did. And the Protestants rebelled and the Protestant Reformation happened and they protested this and they said, no, that's not it. That's not His body, actual body and blood. It's, it's done in remembrance of Him. He's died once and not to die again. And they pulled away. The Protestants pulled away. And the enemy fought like crazy. They had to hide Luther from armies. The Vatican had armies searching for him to kill him. They burned people at the stake in those days who read the Bible. I mean, this was horrible. This was the devil behind it trying to stop what you now are hearing clearly in this generation. Even the Protestants didn't have it correctly. They had part of it right. Justification by faith. They got the the Lord's Supper somewhat right, but they still didn't understand holiness, new creation has happened. They didn't see it. And that's what's happening now in our generation. This, this other thrust of this revelation of grace, the finished work of Christ. We're not just righteous. We're not just, we don't just have imputed righteousness as the Old Testament saints did who believed. They had imputed righteousness. It was imputed. It was given as a gift because they believed. But now we have more than just imputed righteousness because a death has taken place. A son has been given. A child was born. A new creation. And when he was raised, he said, this day I I have begotten thee. I raise a new creation, the last Adam, the Lord from heaven. There is not just imputed righteousness to the believer, but imparted righteousness. So righteous that you are now fit to stand in the presence of God the second you leave your body. Awesome! This is not a legal fiction. This is not positional righteousness. This is an act of God. He raises the dead and calls into being that which did not exist before. You are a new species. You're not just a refurbished man. You are a new man, a new creation, a heavenly creature no longer from below but from above. You shall judge the angels. It's awesome. The sons and daughters of God. That's who you are. It's awesome. It's awesome. And when we abide in this reality, it's not hard to walk in the Spirit. It is hard when the lies come from religion that says you're not what you are. But when we hear what we are and we speak the truth one to another, building each other up, it's pretty easy. To love each other and be loved and to be loved. Second most important thing to remember as far as how to walk in the spirit is the key word here is to see not only union, but to see that he Your king loves you. Your king calls you beloved. He sees no spot. He sees no wrinkle or any such thing. Because he made it so. He cherishes and nourishes His bride. Ephesians chapter 5. He cherishes you and He nourishes you. Your King is in love with you. Your King is in love with you. You're not only in union with Him. He's madly in love with you so madly in love that He would give it all. What manner of love is this? That we would be called the sons of God. See? Not that we first loved Him, but He first loved us. Pursuing us I love that verse where it says, uh, yea, I have loved thee. Yes, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. And with loving kindness, I have drawn you to myself. I have loved you with an everlasting love. It'll never end. Everlasting. And I've drawn you to myself. Just think about those two things that, that we ponder. How easy it becomes to walk in the Spirit. Union. A king who is madly in love with me. Gave himself for me. A king. I heard Jesse Duplantis on TV this morning. As I was getting ready, brushing my teeth. and He said something so cool. Jesse Duplantis. He said... uh, He said, do you you realize that angels don't sit in the presence of God? They stand. Angels stand at attention in the presence of the king. Jesse said, but do you know what? You know who does sit? Other kings. His sons. And you have been made to sit with him in heavenly places. You sit with him. You and I can sit with God. No man sits in front of a king. Only other kings sit with kings. But all their aides and the secret service and the guards stand at attention. They don't sit with the king unless there's another king. You sit with the king. Like Mephibosheth. Like Mephibosheth. Brought to sit at the king's table. The lame one because of his covenant with Jonathan, sits at the king's table. Royalty. Angels long to look into what God has given man. Because man sits with God. Angels don't sit with God. There's a scene in the Old Testament which is a foreshadowing of the new covenant. It was a scene where Moses and them, after shedding the blood, he took the elders, the 70 elders, to a high place. God said, come here to this area. And a portal was opened up, a door to that other realm. And they walked in. And they, Paul, I mean, uh, Moses describes it as sapphire. It was like blue sapphire was below them. And they walked in. This is, this is Exodus 30-something. Awesome. And they walked in, Moses and his elders, and they said, oh, my God. God was, was sitting down. And they sat down with him. They sat down with him. And they ate with God. And it says, and we didn't die. God was, taking, God was showing a foreshadowing of what was coming through Christ. They tasted of the good thing that was coming. And that's why God said, There's another one coming, likened to Moses. Moses is just a picture of, of the one that will make all this possible. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I'll come in and sit with you. Oh, my God. The humility of a king that says, I'll come sit with you at your kitchen table. The king will sit with you at your kitchen table. He doesn't demand you come out of the house. Yeah, I'll sit with you, but come out of the house, you'll sit with me in my palace. No. This king... I desire to eat with you. I want to eat with you. I want to break bread with you. I will sit at your table. I'll sit at your table. Oh Lord, but my table's all scratched up, and it's not a very good table. Let me get the best tablecloth out real quick, and no, 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 no. I'm not here for the table. I want to be with you. That's our king. Jesus said this, he said, when the son of man returns, unlike men on earth who send their servants out in the field and they come back and men on earth say to the servants, you serve me first and feed me first. And after I eat as the owner of this place, then you can eat. Jesus said, that's not like it is in heaven. That's not like my heart. That's not my heart. He said, that's the problem. he said, that's the problem with your weak faith because you see yourself as a slave, an unprofitable, unworthy slave just doing your duty. That's why your faith is not growing. You have a slave mentality. Wow, but in heaven, this is, this is the reality. When I come back, when I come back, I will have all my servants, all my sons, sit at the table, and I will gird myself. The Son of Man will gird Himself in he will serve them. Oh, Lord, no, 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 that's, you can't do it. Oh, Lord, 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 no, 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 you can't wash my feet. No, no, you can't, you can't. Peter, It's who I am. I love you. I give myself to you. Awesome. You see, you feel his drawing? A shepherd that says, come follow me. And I will in no wise cast you out. Come to me. Power of God. Union. Knowing that we're beloved of God. And the third thing I would say is to realize this is so powerful. One night I was looking at the moon. This is actually on that tape, Call unto me, and I will show thee great and mighty things that you know not. Really recommend that, that teaching we did in here, call unto me, and I'll show you great and mighty things. We did it a few months back. But I was looking at the moon one night and um, over a lake and I'll never forget this moment. But it just became so real to me. that we are really in another place now. We really have been translated, translated from the kingdom of heaven into the kingdom of the beloved son. We really are not in the flesh, as Romans 8 says. We really are in the spirit, 24-7. Whether we walk in the spirit or not, in terms of manifestation, is, is another issue. But we're always in the Spirit. We're always in this other realm. We're always joined to Him. That's the key. You're always there. Always seated with Him. Always. We don't always manifest who we we really are because our mind is being renewed. And as as it is renewed, then we see these things more clearly and we... We simply walk in who we are, but the, the the fixed reality is there. You have already been translated from death and into life. He who believes on me has already passed jesus said already passed from death and into life you you 're no longer in the flesh you 're no longer in your sins. You're no longer tied to this Adamic race. You truly are born from above. You truly are not from below. You truly are from another place. You truly are from heaven in these earthen vessels. That's huge. Huge. To realize that and let that grow. Real quickly, there's a verse in Corinthians that talks about um, our weapons are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, bringing every, every thought into captivity and every thought that exalts itself against the true knowledge of God, pulling it down, okay? In some translations, they will add words to that. You'll see it in italics. If it's, if it's in italics, it's added. It's not the original, original uh, script, original scripture. And in most translations, it will add the words uh, something like I forget. Something like you pull down uh, strongholds. You it puts it on you to do it. You know what I'm talking about? Tra- some translations they put it's in italics because it's not in the Greek, but it basically changes the power of that verse and says basically it's up to you. It's up to you to paste scriptures on your refrigerator and on your mirror. It's up to you to work the word. It's up to you to to pull down these thoughts. It's up to you to work hard in filling your mind with the Bible so you don't sin. It's up to you. That's not what that scripture is saying. What that scripture is saying is that this truth that we're talking about here has inherent power. Inherent power Even while you sleep to renew the mind and change the thoughts and pull down the strongholds as you simply abide and rest. It's a virus. It is like a virus in a computer it is like leaven Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like leaven just like sin works like leaven so does this truth work like leaven you take it in take it in take it in believe believe what is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith you believe these truths you take it in you eat and drink of his body and his blood this finality of the work you remember you believe you rest you rest you believe. You rejoice in him you enjoy him you let him enjoy you you receive love you give love you had this awe awesome awesome rest of just abiding and in that that consumption of this powerful mystical word the word that is able to raise the dead and create new things will work in you mysteriously and pull down strongholds. You'll find yourself seeing God differently, acting differently. It is not up to you with your sweat to try to get your mind crammed full of scriptures so you can pull down strongholds. That is not the power. It is at its heart a romance a love affair and a very good meal it is to eat and drink of christ to to be intimate with christ is all you and i need jesus said it this way only one thing is needful martha martha Martha's so busy trying to do things and she got angry at her sister for not helping out and doing more and Martha loves to do things for God and she sees Mary not doing much for God and she complained to Jesus about Mary not doing more for God and Jesus says to Martha, 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 only one thing is needful and Mary is doing it. What's Mary doing? She's sitting at his feet, looking at his face, hearing his voice, resting, enjoying him. It's awesome. It's the Lord. And if we do this, Jesus said... You shall bear much fruit. Amen. Amen. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me and all these words, let them abide in you. All of this revelation of this new creation, let these words abide in you. Amen. You abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Piece of cake. It's not a hard thing. I did the hard part, Jesus says. Rest. Rest. Lord, thank you so much for helping us see your way helping us see your way. Lord, I pray that we would encourage each other to rest in you, you, to rest in you. Bring to remembrance these things, Lord, I pray. Especially when the enemy comes in like a flood. When the lies come. Help us see what Paul said. Think it not some strange thing that Satan is able to transform himself into an angel of light. And his ministers, ministers of righteousness, help us to be wise as serpents but harmless as doves, aware of these so-called ministers of righteousness that are from Satan himself that cause us to be troubled. Paul said, who's troubling you, Galatians? Rest. He has done it. Union has come. An everlasting love has come. Another world has come. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.